could this be a game where Easton gets on fire and we get the running game cranked up? Yeah, I think that could happen. I just, it's hard for me to see that right now. After two straight weeks of up-and-down offensive output, the Dogs take their 3-0 record and number 12 national ranking into Oxford, Mississippi this weekend to face down the dangerous Ole Miss Rebels. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 53 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Today, Tony and I are a man down. That's right, Will Leach is not on this episode. He is on assignment in New York City. He's up there filming his latest episode of Pro Football Now, which can be found on SI.com. You should definitely check it out. Nevertheless, we have a job to do, and that is to get you ready for the game this weekend, with or without Will. Potentially, the biggest question for Georgia is, will the momentum that they've built up pulling out close victories for the first three games of the season carry on to Ole Miss? It would be nice to see a two-touchdown performance and 150 yards on the ground from Nick Chubb on Saturday, but can our offensive line open some holes? Will our opportunistic secondary be able to disrupt the fast-paced Rebels passing attack led by Chad Kelly? It sets up to be a wild and exciting game on Saturday, and Tony and I are on opposite sides this week on how we see it playing out. So stay tuned for our game analysis. Our college football picks and three questions is back again this week, where I asked Tony to provide his thoughts on sports and pop culture-related topics. Should be fun. So let's get started. Here's Tony. Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. This is Tony Waller. I'm here with uh, episode 53, as, as Scott is telling me. Yes. Uh, he's the accountant in the group. Um, I'm here with Scott. Will, of course, is off in New York City doing uh, NFL things for uh, uh, Sports Illustrated. For pay. For pay. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, good for him. I good think, for him. I think somebody should work. Well, you know, somebody has to spread our brand. Somebody has to spread our brand. Because yeah, if you notice, Will does, you know, he might not tweet out a link ever about our podcast, <laughs> but he will put on his uh, Tumblr page every week yeah, he puts a link to the podcast. Oh, so. he, and he does more media than Dr. Phil. I yeah. mean, he's like all over the place. Speaking of spreading the brand, he and I are also going to be in Oxford this weekend. That's right. I wanted to get into your itinerary later in the podcast. No problem. About it, I'll be but, happy to talk about it. But first, what I wanted to definitely touch on right now was it is game week. We just had one of the craziest games of the weekend uh, Saturday. I think we're finally, you know, with it being Wednesday right now, you'll probably be hearing this podcast on Thursday and Friday, we're recording it Wednesday night. We've finally gotten over wanting to read about what Went through uh, Easton's head. What what did Kirby say? How many receptions Isaiah had? Looking at all the stats. And we kind of put that behind us, even though we're still enjoying it. Uh, and now we're moving forward to what's Hugh Freeze going to draw up? Is Chad Kelly going to be on his game? What is Ole Miss going to do? Are they going to blow another lead? What about all of their receiving core? And how about the Landshark defense? You know, we're kind of getting into that right now. Yeah, and before we do, I do want to ask you a question sure. since you weren't here last week. Will asked me, when was the last time there was a kind of a last-minute comfort behind wind of that magnitude for Georgia? And I, I immediately thought of Hobnell Boot because that comparison has been made a bunch. But the last time I could think of would have been the the 07 game against Alabama, maybe uh, 07, um, 03, 02. The one-and-done? Uh, the one-and-done game. That or, was 07. Was oh seven you know, okay? The, yeah, the way, the way I know that yeah. was because my oldest son was one year old, and I had to cheer like. So I did have it right. One, yeah, oh seven game against Alabama right. then. But I think um, the oh three one was a Billy Bennett kick. That's a Billy Bennett kick. That's right. Oh, that's right. That what? 
when was the Michael Johnson touchdown against Auburn then? That was 2002. Okay. Look, it's right there. So, Oh, yeah, it is. That's it's, right. That's it's right. It's downstairs. Um, so, yeah, those were the ones I could think of. Can you think of any, especially on the road? It's interesting to me, all those were on the road. Can you think of any since then? I mean, I haven't gone back and looked, but my first thought, those were the ones that came to mind we talked about. Are you, are you asking about like a Sanford Stadium where it just blows or, or, the little or any Or any come from behind where, you know, a last couple of minutes. I mean, Georgia Southern, that, that run oh last, last year in overtime. I or? hope you're going to edit that. Please, edit, please tell me you're editing I didn't, that. I didn't say it was a big win. I said it was like a last minute thing because the only we've only had two overtime games in Sanford Stadium history. One was the Hudson Mason Georgia Tech overtime where we where they missed the extra point or missed a field goal and we had it just all on our hands and then Hudson Mason throws an interception right that was uh that was the 18 seconds left game yeah yeah two years ago funny overtime has been around since 96 and our first overtime game in Sanford was back in 2014 yeah so just to to answer your question on the basis of how you asked it it would have to be Sonny Michelle going untouched into the end zone against Georgia Southern last year at least the last one yeah, I kind of blocked that entire thing. I know, out of my I know, I know. We're not, we're not proud of it because Georgia Southern will probably make a T-shirt out of it because they have they make have made a T-shirt. Yeah, I'm sure they have because you know they were famous for making a T-shirt for the tin drum comment that Nick Saban uh, made last year about how well they played against them. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, you hang your hat on whatever. You know, I'm sure that you would refer to them as them having a cute little stadium. Well, I mean, Paulson Stadium is precious. <laughs> Don't at me, uh, Southern Bros. I right, love you guys. Right. right. They, my, my biggest thing is they, they uh, like to claim that GATA is their own. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. If that's if that makes you feel better. If that makes them feel better. Makes them feel better. Right. Um. So let's talk about Ole Miss. Let's talk about them. They look really good at times and really not good at times. And you know, if you weren't talking about level of competition, probably remains to be seen whether they played. Uh, Better competition than we have, although Louisville kind of dashed that narrative a touch. Although, eh, Louisville could be very good. So, you know, I, I mean, you, I mean, in your kind of like kickoff of the whole conversation, you you brought up what's Hugh Freeze going to do and what's our defense going to look like. A couple of things, if you want to start with bright spots, their defense is giving up a ton of rushing yards, mm-hmm. and it looks like we we are willing to try to run the ball against all evidence that we can. We're trying. We're trying. I mean, it's, we're I'm just, not sure they're even really trying. No, they're not running the ball. They, they, they don't even. That's uh, they, they could care less. That's one of those things where, you know, we. Uh, I mean, we'll break down the game in a little bit, but you know, if you want to talk about themes in this game, you know, it's it's going to be really interesting uh, to see um, Jacob Eason with his uh, second straight road game uh, start. Somebody asked me, "Was do you think Lambert was going to come in last week?" And if you, if you listen to what Jesse Palmer and and Musburger said, it sure felt like they had talked about that with the coaches because he kept saying, "You know, Lambert, you'll see Lambert. You listen early in the game, you'll see Lambert." We never saw Lambert, so right. you know they don't they don't make that up, and that that comes from talking with the coaches. Mm-hmm. So I, my guess is, is what happened is, is as the game progressed, you know, we just kind of get a feel. You got a feel. You know, it just felt like right. you know, stick with the hot hand. Well, it's not even it's not even stick with the hot hand. It's that. At some point, you at some point it was Easton's game. It was to Easton's win or game lose. to win or lose. That's and that's where I was going with it. You you don't, you know, it's like pulling Rich Hill on the the seventh end of a no header. It's like why would you do that? Mm-hmm. So and it's not to say he had a perfect game because he uh, clearly had some game some throws that he'd like he'd went back. He had the one he had that one we talked about last week that one throw where he was like oh gosh he just threw that pass and you never even saw the guy right and jumped around. One thing I noticed it seemed like the ball was not as sharp as it could have been on a lot of passes. It yeah, was almost it, like an off-centered spiral. Well, the touchdown pass to um, 
to Christian Payne was that way. Mm-hmm. The touchdown pass that or the pass that uh, McKenzie dropped that went off his chest was that way. Is that Reggie Davis? Um, I thought it was McKenzie. Maybe it was. Uh, no, Reggie dropped. One yeah, in, Reggie. So not yeah. to pick on Reggie. It's yeah, just, it's just, it's just that's what happened. Truth. So yeah, I think he was he was not mechanically he was not on. I think that's something they probably worked on this week. Right. Um, so well, I got some stats for you just to kind of run down, just kind of a thirty thousand foot view of the stats. Ole Miss has seven turnovers this year. I think most of them have been attributed to Chad Kelly. And God bless Chad Kelly. <laughs> yeah, God bless him. Maybe he'll keep it up. And it seems like we <clears throat> kind of. I mean, it's kind of a cliche, but do we have a ball hawking defense or at least secondary? Uh, it looks like Quincy Mauger, uh is back there. He saved our fanny as like, <laughs> oh, so yes, he did. Week. So they have seven turnovers. They've committed seven turnovers uh, on the season. And as far as UGA offensive stars, Nick Chubb surprisingly still ranks 11th nationally in rushing, even after two games of less than 100 yards. He has a total of 365 yards at five yards a carry. And I know it, it's been slow sledding, to say the least, over the past couple of weeks. And most of those stats come from the UNC game, obviously. But he's still sitting there at 11th nationally. Jacob Eason has a QBR rating of 65, and that's out of 100. I'm not even going to pretend to try to, to figure out how a QBR is determined, but I know that 100 is the best you can get. And there's, there's a lot of quarterbacks up in the 90s right now. I'm sure Lamar Jackson of Louisville is up in the 90s for the QBR. And our other offensive weapon, I would never have guessed this in the preseason. I bet if you went back and listened to a couple of our episodes on the preseason, especially the Georgia preview, I'm not sure. And you should. go. We'll wait for you to do that. I was trying to make a joke, and you weren't paying attention. No, I was paying attention. I said, but... I said maybe if you went back and listened to our preview podcast about Georgia, and I said, I'll wait. Oh, so like, what are you talking about? Anyway, um, Isaiah McKenzie, the hero from last week, ranks 17th nationally in receiving. Receiving yards. Nationally. 17th nationally with 305 total yards. Who would have guessed that? Well, I mean, I think it's easy to see that McKenzie's the one Easton mo- trusts the most. Yeah, obviously. Um, the interesting thing about what McKenzie brings to the table is he, he right now he's the only receiver we see that gets uh, separation. Now, it'll be interesting to in my mind to see what um, Mississippi does uh, if they, they double team him, especially if we come out with that three, uh, we split, uh, basically the same set we had against. And when we scored the touchdown with basically, uh, you know, two slot receivers, two wide outs and a, a tight end, uh, it'll be interesting to see what we do in that situation. Um, because, you know, it's hard to cover. <laughs> yeah. Hard. They can put two guys on him. I bet he's still going to get open. Yeah. That's going to bode well for, you know, maybe Reggie Davis. Right. Uh, Isaac right. Nauda, Jeb. Well, and the other thing it bodes well for is dragging a, a running back out of the, the, the backfield. Yeah. That's kind of what he lives for. Yeah. If you don't if you don't have that, that tight end in there, you know, you put Sony or Chubb in there. And uh, we haven't thrown a lot of passes to Chubb, but. Well, he's, uh, he's out there helping Catalina block. It'd be really interesting to see what happens if, if you run him and kind of fade him over in the flats and let Eason dump off on almost a naked screen because. You know, the one thing about Chubb is that if you don't hem him up, he's tough to bring down, right? Mm-hmm. And you give him some one-on-one against a guy that's trying to take a bad angle, he, he can just outrun you to the corner. Right. Um, so, you know, and I've seen some stuff where people got on Cheney on the play calling. I think some of that is intentional. Um, you know, let's go back to the we're going to run. This offense we're going to run. Uh, but don't forget, Eason – 
threw 55 passes and took four sacks, which means of our 90-something plays, by the way, which is the most we were plays, we, we ran 90 plays? Yeah, 90-something plays. I was amazed at the time of possession difference. Yeah. Well, when you think about how many times we threw the ball, we still managed to yeah. hold on to the ball a lot. Yeah. We threw the ball. We had sixty plan, at least 60 planned or 59 planned pass plays out of 90-something. Whether that was intentional or not, for people was like calling for for Cheney to open up the playbook, he opened the playbook up. Yeah, to say the least. I mean, he opened the playbook up. Yeah. So, you know, that's, uh, it'll be fun to see what happens. I mean, you know, this game has all the makings of a shootout. And like I said, we'll get into what's going to happen in the game in a little bit. But I think the most interesting stat that you talked about, though, is the turnovers. I mean, mm-hmm. Georgia's defense has been really good at turnovers. Um, you know, famously, we had the five with no points, but at some point, you have to think we're going to convert. I mean, we're going to convert some of those. Ole Miss gives us the ball three times, and we we get some finally get some points off of them. That, that could be a game changer, right? Right. Yeah. And just speaking of Ole Miss's offense, uh, kind of running down the same way we did with Georgia. Chad Kelly ranks eleventh nationally in passing yards with nine hundred fifty three total passing yards. He's taken eight sacks, so they it's not like they've kept him completely clean. Some of that might be him running around back there and running into a sack. Uh, he's thrown three picks, so I guess you know my Georgia education. I can do the math. Uh, they seven turnovers, three picks. That means that they fumbled it four times. Yes, is that yes. right? Yeah, I think Chad Kelly has three of those. <laughs> oh, okay. So maybe he maybe he makes up all of their turnovers. I don't know, but he has thrown ten touchdowns as well. That's kind of the wrap on. Ole Miss offense. Everything runs through Kelly. Right. Period. Right. And, well, in Ingram, they're tied in Ingram. Well, but I mean, say they don't. They don't. He's run kind of. Ball. He's kind of the McKenzie to him. He's his favorite go-to target. Uh, the tight end, uh, Brandon Ingram. Is it Brandon? I think it's Brandon. Um, sure. Let's you know, interesting Brandon. side note. His sister McKenzie is a junior women's basketball player at UGA. Are you serious? Yeah, Brandon Ingram. Is it Brandon? Dead gum. What's his name? The tight end for Ole Miss that's catching all the balls. Yeah, let's go with Brandon Ingram. That's fine with me. All right, we'll just go with Ingram. His sister, Mackenzie, is a varsity women's basketball player. Well, you know, we're talking about Mississippi's uh, running the ball. They are they currently rank 106th in the nation on attempts. 106 um, out of 120. So they're not games. balanced. They are not balanced. I mean, they've, they've only run the ball 92 times. Uh, probably is as telling is that they are ranked about 150. 14th, am I looking at the math right? And 103rd of the nation on yards per carry at 3.69. I mean, they're only getting 133 yards a game rushing. And that includes a Wofford game where they put up a lot of rushes. So, you know, they... So do you look for them to kind of shake things up and really try to come out and establish the run? Why would you go away from what you've been doing? Yeah, because their first half has been lights out. Yeah. I mean, I mean Florida it, State, it, Bama, and Wofford. I mean, that scares me a little bit after seeing what happened with, with Missouri's first drive. Um, you know, which look, I think I'm looking back clearly was a scripted drive, um, but still they put together a really impressive drive, like bam, 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 right down the field, had uh, our defense back on their heels. Um, we had no way to adjust for them. And that's, that's, that's Mississippi's entire thing is their quick strike. We're going to move the ball down the field. We're going to take shots. You know, Bill Conley had some interesting stats this week where on, on standard downs, first and second uh, from appropriate yardage, Kelly was lights out. Just really lights out. And when you get into passing downs, he was abysmal the whole game. And, you know, he had some similar stats for, for Easton where Easton really was good in the first half and not great. He was great on third downs. I mean, how many did um, he convert in a row? Well, that but but in the last part of the game, except for the last drive, he was not great. He was like three for 13 on converting third downs, on passing downs. But my point about Kelly is that 
you know, that first and second down is going to be really important for Georgia, it looks like, because it looks like once Mississippi gets in that position, you know, you don't have to – you pretty much take the running game out of the equation. That's what Alabama did. That's what Mississippi State, uh, Florida State did. The other part about what has been amazing to me, and you and I were talking about this before the podcast started, maybe right after it started, is that Ole Miss may be the first team to have given up dual 21-point leads in the first half. I mean, that – the, the Alabama game, a lot of people watched the Alabama game because it was the, the CBS game, right? That game was, you know, 24 to three with five minutes left in right. the second quarter. And then it went in 24 17 at half. It just changed like that. Yeah. The FSU was the same way. FSU game was the same way. It was very similar. You know, they had some sort of weird pick or something. They scored a quick touchdown and then had a turnover. You know, and I expect Ole Miss to score on us. I mean, I, I think it's ridiculous for us to expect Ole Miss, us to hold Ole Miss in the 20s. Um, we've been able to do that, but I don't, I just don't, that's good. That's real hard for me to get my head around right this second. Sitting here right now in Athens, it's hard for me to get my head around us holding them in the 20s. But if we hold them in the 20s, I feel good about our chances. Yeah, I think it's going to be a shootout. And I think it's really uh, what, you know, all of the pundits, the Georgia writers and probably national writers also are thinking if Georgia can weather that storm in the first 20 minutes of the game, it might be all right after that. But, I mean, you're looking at history of this season. Georgia's been strong in the second half, and Ole Miss has kind of faded in the second half. Yeah, and that gets kind of to game participation. And I fully expect us to be down by ten points at some point in this game, or more. Yeah. I mean, it's, it puts. I mean, but, but that's you know, okay. It, that's okay. Um, and you know, I'm going to be there. We're going to have fun with it. But right. uh, it's still, it's it, that's okay. You know, one of the things that strikes me is that we will. I have to think we're going to have uh, Sony in a lot more runs. Um, I, you know, we saw him some last week. He wasn't in as many plays as I thought he was. He was only on 13 plays. I mean, 33 plays. I thought he was in far more than that. It felt like he was. But we saw no other tailbacks. It was all Chubb and Michelle. Right. Um, we didn't see Harry. We didn't see Douglas. We didn't and we ran a couple of Wildcats. Yeah, we had one wild Wildcat. We no, lost nothing, some yardage. Nothing materialized. Uh, really. Yeah, one, well, we had one. We picked up four or five yards, six yards. and But we had one where we got a little cute. And uh, we tried misdirection. And Missouri just was sitting all over it. And that resulted in a missed ham field goal, which shouldn't surprise anybody. I was really um, impressed. I know we were trying to – we didn't really run the ball. But I think one mm-hmm. of the keys that Cheney or Kirby or whomever, maybe uh, – who's the line coach? Sam – Pittman. Pittman. Coach Pittman. Maybe they put it together was having Chubb help out Catalina on the left side because he was standing up. Who was the ninety-one? Harris. Harris, man, Harris. He's got to be a first-round pick. Oh yeah, he's uh. That everybody was amazed he had any sacks. And Missouri coming this game only had one sack yeah, all that season. Guy is, that uh, guy he's is legit. legit. He is good. I, I said Sunday and stand by. He's going to be all American. He got he got by Chubb a couple times. Yeah, but. Chubb stood him up and, yeah. and, and held him up just enough to let Eason get the throw off. And I think that was key. Yeah, and, and when, since you brought up Harris, I mean, Harris um, kind of exposed a couple of Catalina's weak spots in ways that we hadn't seen anybody yet do, which is anybody with speed rusher can get by Catalina. I mean, just Catalina's feet aren't fast enough for him to maintain leverage and get back, uh, which you have to be able to do as a left tackle. I know um, he's taking a lot of heat. I, I think he can only get better. I hope so. I hope so. Tyler, I have faith in you. Yeah, his uh, his running, his run blocking was okay. Um, although none of our run blocking was great, but it was okay. Um, but you know, asking him 
put it this way, he's going to see some guys that are as good or pretty close to as good as Harris was uh, later in the season. I think when we get to the end of the day, Harris is the first team all America, first team uh, all SEC, and and I mean. I haven't watched enough football to say he's first team All American, but I think he's going to get mentions on All American teams. Right. I think he's that good. Right. Uh, the other thing he exposed, though, about Catalina is that Catalina has this crazy propensity to lose his feet. I mean, he, he, we saw it against Nickel State where he fell down two or three times. He did it again this week. Hmm. I don't, I don't know if that's a balance thing or they have him playing a different weight than he played at before. He's just not used to his body. Whatever it is, um, and you can't have that. And then a couple people pointed out that he. Um, he lollygagged a few times on passes, particularly on passes out to the left side where he could have gotten out and helped out his running back a little bit by, um, or, uh, you know, blocked a little bit and he just kind of lollygagged out there. So, so my question to you for this week is how do we get the running game going? At least somewhat of how it was, uh, churning along against UNC. Are we going to have some guards pulling? Maybe. Maybe maybe do running game by more screens. We haven't really seen that many screens. Yeah, and that surprised me. I thought we'd see more screens last week, and maybe that was in the works. But we just kind of we never got the position where we felt like we could run them. I will play along with you. And assume that we want to do more with the run game than simply pound the ball in the middle. Okay. Yeah. Um. And I'm not saying we. I'm not saying we do. I'm just saying let's work on that assumption. Um. I certainly think we had some plays in the North Carolina game that will work. Uh, Toss sweep. The toss sweep, we pull some guards, um, we do some other things. Uh, we didn't see any pistol against Missouri that I remember, um, which allows you the opportunity of basically handing the ball off deeper. And it's almost a, it's almost a read pass option when you run the pistol uh, because you're, you're three steps into a five-step drop already, but you're also beside the running back, so you can – you can kind of read what the linebackers are going to do, um, and you you don't get in trouble with your lineman being downfield on the blocking. Um, this just occurred to me. I'm going to ask you a question: Who was the quarterback versus UNC for the majority of the game in which we ran the ball very well? I, I mean, we we can say Lambert. I haven't done that assessment, but I mean, because we all remember the the 55 yard run okay, so. of of Chubb. But is it, I mean, I'm just saying, is there something to that? I mean, I'm not smart enough to know. To be I don't able to know or something like that. That's, that's a that's a that's a hell of a point. I I hadn't really thought of it that way. Because I mean, there, could there be some correlation to how teams are stacking the box? Well, I mean, but, but Missouri stacked the box a lot against Easton. I mean, there were a lot of times where they had oh yeah, you could see you eight know, or six nine to guys. eight to nine guys. I mean, the last play of the game, it was really surprising. They played man coverage. Mm-hmm against four receivers on fourth and 10 from the 20. It, it was almost like, okay. It was like the P33 well, Haynes play. It, it was a little bit. No, there was no safety. There was no there. safety. But, you know, I get it. You know, if if you're Barry Odom and you're looking at what our offense has been doing, you think, you know, if a, if a freshman can beat me, a freshman can beat me, and that's just going to happen. I'm going to trust my guys on the island. I think the interesting thing to me is that if we come out with a game plan – that allows um, Eason to spread out the linebackers. I think the key is the linebackers, not not the DB, not the DBs. The spread out the linebackers, crossing patterns, passes to tight ends, uh, wheel routes for that matter, or uh, or toss sweeps or screen plays. That's when you are able to open up the running game because then you then you get a little more favorable matchups. I mean, it's it's not hard to see when you have five linemen and seven 
seven guys or eight guys stack in the box that that's a mismatch numbers wise. Um, and so you, you can either scheme by playing the ball outside of that with your running backs, or you can get those guys back off the line. North Carolina never really stacked the box until right at the, until uh, really towards the end. Uh, the other couple of times they did, I take that back, but, but we took advantage of that. I mean, we had a play specifically drawn up for them um, to, to stack the box and, you know, Dalvin cook had some, uh, some good runs against, Ole Miss. Um, and Wofford runs the tech offense. Yeah, they run the tech offense. So it's, it's really hard to t- have some takeaways. But Mississippi can, can struggle with zone read. Um, I don't think we're going to see a pure zone read, but I wouldn't surprise me if we see, run, or see us run out pistol six or eight times because that does provide some zone read elements because you, you basically have to make a call at the line whether or not you're going – it's a pass or run, mm-hmm. um, and you just call your mark. So. The other thing, and this is the final bit, and then we'll move on. I was I was watching the Missouri Georgia game on Saturday. I noticed that Missouri's offensive line, their splits are a lot wider. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like we're really tight and close in there. Would it be helpful to have our guys? And maybe I'll put a call into Coach Pittman and Curry yeah, you should call Coach Pittman um, just to have our O linemen have you know wider splits in between them. Um, well, Coach Pittman's. I think if you read a little bit about, it, he doesn't like wide splits. Um. He likes to bunch it up because he. The main reason I like to bunch it up is if you, if you get if you get everybody packed in, you basically can build a wedge. You can guarantee yourself three yards a run. Um, that's if your guards and center get a push. If you get a push, <laughs> that's right. Um, so, but you know that's that's an interesting observation. Um, but you know it's not like Missouri ran the ball great either. I mean they had a few good runs, no, but they I'm um, glad they started trying to run the ball instead of throwing it. Yeah, and that was just an interesting point. It felt like they abandoned what was working early, and we and it's hard to know whether or not we made some adjustments defensively to counteract that. Um, you know, it's it's not hard to say our our DBs struggled at times despite the interceptions. Um, Joan Briscoe in particular, he he had a he had an interesting game. There were a lot of times he he was called out of position or just was flat out beat. But he also came up with a huge fumble recovery and a great interception. So, you know that's what you do. But you know Scott, thinking a bigger picture, I was looking at our depth chart. We have two seniors that start in the in the two deep. Both are transfers, Catalina and Chuck Samichi. I mean, and a lot of people are like, oh, don't give me that young team crap. That matters. It, yeah. it does matter. Yeah. Uh, and, and Will asked me the question, what's this mean? What's the takeaway from this and this this game? The Missouri game is like, well, we get in a situation down the road where we have to have a drive. We have to have a win. I mean, Coach Smart can actually look at these guys and say, we've been here before. Let's right. go out and execute. This is what we practice for. Right. This is this ain't, this ain't nothing. This is just a game. Right. Go do it. We've done it before. What's it matter? Right. So yeah, they are road tested. They are road tested, and that's you know, and, and a sleepy eleven a.m. kickoff in Oxford. It's not going to bother them. I'm glad you brought the eleven a.m. kickoff up because I've had a couple people like, oh god, eleven a.m. kickoff. I would much rather be done playing football at three o'clock their time and have eleven o'clock kickoff in this kind of game, especially what happened last week. Especially with kind of there's there's a pretty high pucker factor at Ole Miss because the, you know the rumor is is that if they lose this game, they're going to go ahead and declare themselves ineligible and fall in the NCAA sword. That's the rumor. It's a rumor, but you know who knows what they're going to do. Um, but there is also an element of you know. Ole, Ole Miss has had two top five teams on the ropes and let them back up off the mat. Right. And that is a – at some point you have to start questioning yourself, especially when you get uh, Chad Machine Gun Kelly out there who is um, – Do you dare call him Dr. Chad Kelly? No, he's not Dr. Chad Kelly. <laughs> it's just a reminder, reminder of our listeners, Chad Kelly's the guy that uh, 
you know, he came in. He is he's Jim Kelly's nephew. Right. Uh, he he's came, also a rapper. He is also a rapper. Um, Machine Gun, right? That's why I had. Oh, okay. Do yeah. I have the reference right? I don't yeah, know. I think so. Y'all have to look that up on your own. Yeah. Um, he went to Clemson. He walked off the. He walked, literally walked off the field and and said, "I'm I'm out. I'm not coming back." Now, by all indications, he's kind of gotten his act together as much as you can get your act together and live in Oxford, Mississippi. <laughs> No offense to people who live in Oxford, I'm just saying. But, you know, that's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I, again, I have no doubt that he's going to go off with a crazy stat line, something like, you know, 28 of 45 for, you know, 375 and three touchdowns, four touchdowns. But interspersed in there, he could also have three interceptions of fumble. I mean, yeah. that could happen. I mean, yeah. that's not that is not an unrealistic stat line for him. You know, George's key to the game, and again, we'll get to a prediction a little bit. The George's key to the game is we have to play better pass defense than we did, and we have to make sure that they don't get in a situation where Kelly's killing us with his legs. Because um, he'll run the ball. He, I mean, he's not he's not great, uh, but he is really slippery. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a guy that can can slip away if you you know you think you have him down. He's not quite Jameis Winston or, or Johnny Manziel, Manziel, but he is – he very much as a guy that you think you have him hemmed in, you know, he basically cuts back like a Jared Lorenzen back in the day. Well, except for he's he's fast and he's not he's not three hundred pounds. I know, but Jared Lorenzen was sneaky slippery. Yeah, I guess he's sneaky slippery. <laughs> but I mean, you know, Kelly is the kind of guy where you think you have him pinned against the sideline, he'll reverse field and then basically throw back across his body forty yards downfield and he's got the arm to do it. Yeah. Um now if we get him in a lot of this situation, he's gonna screw up, right? He's right. gonna screw up and he's gonna throw the ball to somebody like um, you know, Maurice Smith cutting underneath who's yeah. got a, basically a, a sixty yard so straight. There's shot a to good chance dog. for a pick six in this game. Um, yeah, I think I think pick six is on the table. Uh, I I don't know that he hadn't had a game yet where he hadn't had one. So well, they had a he had a scoop and score last year yeah. or last week yeah. against Alabama. They yeah. sacked him and fumbled. Yeah, and yeah. So I mean, yeah, we want to hit we want to hit him uh, early and often. You know, on the Georgia side, we have to play cleaner on special teams. Period. Oh my god! Um, I'm so glad you brought that up. Let's let's not even <laughs> talk about field goals yet because field goals no. are a whole different animal. We've been penalized each of our games for um, for target for for penalties on the punt team, and we're not really getting great coverage. Um, um, oh yeah, we're going to get Twitter questions, aren't we? Well, and um, the fact that you brought that up, it jogged my memory to look at the Twitter notifications. And Tony had asked all of you Twitter listeners uh, if you had any questions because we are recording right now, and uh, Jim Wood asked that very question he wanted to know if we have ever seen a team with a penalty hitting the punt returner for three games in a row because he says i haven't i have to assume all of jerry glanville's portland state teams did it every game (laughs) i think it's just a matter of it's like you know you get a you get a whatever portland state's mascot is sticker on your helmet if you get one and when kirby choates nailed that guy i mean it was brutal i'm and i was yeah, i didn't agree it was targeting i didn't agree it was targeting but but that's i i can see where differing minds can i don't know i do agree it was targeting and but, i was i was trying to explain to my wife because she's like what are they doing or why are they throwing a flag or this and that and i was like this is so clearly targeting that he should just go ahead and walk off the field now i wasn't mad at choats because maybe he didn't see it maybe yeah. he was hustling he wasn't trying to be dirty but to the letter of the law right now the way that college football reads it i mean he blew that guy up yeah he blew him up and but then we got to get back to why is this happening well i think they're coaching i think beamer's coaching them to be aggressive the the bigger issue on punt coverage teams is that we don't seem to be i mean if you break down punch coverage teams you always have guys always have a couple of roles the first guy unless the ball's right there is supposed to get beside or behind in case the 
the punt is muffed. Did you see Michael Hardeman <laughs> scoop that one up when he hit him and run to the end zone? Yeah, <laughs> but we had another one where the guy muffed it, and we had nobody with yeah, 10 yards Yeah, we didn't have anybody behind him. We have nobody behind him. Right. And, that, and we're not supposed to have somebody behind him. You, just have somebody, you have a guy that's supposed to be the designated fumble guy. Right. Um, and then you know the, the rest of the guys are supposed to surround him. In a, in a perfect punt, you basically force him into making a bad decision about fair catch or run. Right. Um, that's, that's a perfect punt coverage, you know, and we've had some fair catch punts, but we also have had some, we got really lucky on one punt coverage where he basically ran back into the teeth of coverage where it looked like he was going to get around outside. And you know, we were fortunately able to outspeed them. I don't think we're going to do that against Mississippi. Um, on, on kickoff return, we got, again, we, we have struggled with getting the ball into the end zone. Um, yeah, Blankenship was able to hit it in the end zone in Sanford. Yeah, wasn't, yeah, he wasn't out. Yeah, in, uh, we we just, we just have some inconsistencies. And then two weeks ago, I wrote a post on the Georgia Sports Blog about how when you kick a field goal, anytime you've had the ball on first down inside your own twenty yard line, it's a net loss of points um, based on expected points. I don't see how. To me, to me, and again, I'm not paid a lot of money, to Coach Georgia. I don't see how we ever kick another field goal inside the thirty yard line. I'm because I it's, it's not a gimme. It's not. We're, you said yeah, that three, four weeks ago. It's not a gimme. It's not a gimme. Period. If if we had somebody that was we knew was going to be a hundred percent from there. Like brother. Well, he missed one this week. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's against Louisville, so everything that went wrong for yeah. Florida State could have gone wrong. Went for, went wrong. Um, so you know, my point is, like, if 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 we feel comfortable with our defense, and maybe Ole Miss is not the time to 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 test this theorem, but why even bother kicking field goals? If we're going to go one for now five, is that right inside the inside I, I think of thirty five yards? I think if it's fourth and five or less, yeah, you go for it. Start. Now fourth and twenty, yeah, I, I'm okay with that. I, I I get that, but fourth and five, Ramsey could drop kick it. <laughs> That's a good point. We had another Twitter question about Ramsey. Yeah, what cool. happened to Ray Guy? Ray Guy watch list. Who, who was it? Uh, I have to look. Huh? You have to look. Okay, there. so it was Jim Wood. Yeah, Jim asked the question our, again. Yeah, our, our biggest fan. Yeah, he wanted to know why his future ga- gave Ray <laughs> Ray Guy. Why is future Ray Guy Award winner Bryce Ramsey on the bench? I don't know. Well, I, I guess because Marshall Long's a good punter. Long's a good punter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and Long's punts have been good. He, he gets the ball away really quickly. Um, look, I like Colin Barber a lot, but. It's easy to see he's long as a lot faster getting the ball away than Barber was, um, right? I mean that's that seems yeah. like an a, a sound observation. Yeah. I, it was a little interesting to me that we we had one punt and, and it turned out fine. Long was able to to pin him. Actually, he dropped the ball at the nine yard line and it backspun on him pretty badly. But yeah, um, I was like, wow, this, if we're never if we're going to put Ramsey in to kick, this is the place to do it because it was like I don't know, it was like fourth and four from. I want to say our own forty-six yard line or something like that—a place where it can be a, it almost would be a push for going for it anyway. But if you don't, you don't show that early in the season. I don't see where you you come out and show it later in the season um, because at that point you're just kind of giving away that you're considering a, a fake. Um, I I can't argue with any of Long's punts. No, uh, no. At no. this point, I think it's I think he's the bright spot of the special teams. Can you say that? Yeah, I, I think that's right. <laughs> our I mean, punter. Yeah, I guess I guess our punt return team we're still not blocking great. I think mean, everything we get right now is McKenzie doing McKenzie stuff. That's Sorry, fine. that's fine. Yeah. All right. So two more questions. Uh, Bernie Bernie Dog at Bernie Dog D A W G uh, says at Tyler Dogden. I have a question, but I'm waiting to see if Coach Freeze will buy it first. <laughs> On your response. Um. Well, 
just hang on to your question. Uh, the market might go down on on Sunday. Maybe with the good Lord, good Lord, the creek rot don't rise. Uh, the right. market goes down. And the the final question from A Powell eighty three Adam Powell. He wants to know since you and Will are going. How early should he open his bourbon on Saturday morning? Oh, uh, you should have it open already. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's fine. So we we let's talk a little bit about our trip. Yeah, well, uh, I, I I do have I do have my three questions. Yeah, that's so kind good. of become a staple, and, and I might I'm kind of hinting there might be a little bit of the trip involved in one of those questions. Okay. So my question to you is: Should we get into our picks first, or? Should we get into the three questions first? Let's finish it with picks. That way we can make a George prediction last. Okay. Then and so I guess we'll do you have anything to finish up our conversation about the Ole Miss game? I, I don't, but you know, I do want to talk before we go into three questions a little bit about the games of national implication, uh, and talk about the pick'em because we we do have we I mean, there are some pretty important games that are going on this weekend. Florida, Tennessee. We'll uh, do that at the pick'em part. Yeah, I yeah, I guess that's fine. We yeah. can move on. That's okay. let's do your questions. All it's right, good. Let's do that. Great idea. Okay. So the past two weeks, we have done a three questions for Tony. And then last week, since Will decided to join us, it was three <laughs> questions for Tony and Will. So this week, I've come up with three more questions. Uh, two of them are football-related, and one is not. So, And the, the one that's not will be the last one. So, Tony, <clears throat> question number one. You and Will are going to Oxford this weekend. I can assume you've been on a lot of road trips in your past, I have. I used to go on a lot of road trips, but then kids happen, career, wife can't really get away on road trips. I've been to Ole Miss, I've been to UT, I've been to South Carolina, Auburn, I've been to Kentucky, I even took a train to the 2002 Sugar Bowl. What do they call it? Is that the Spirit of New Orleans? Uh, no, that's the Southern Crescent. Okay, so you're right, the Southern Crescent. So, my question to you is twofold one, what has been your most favorite? road trip of all time and two in your opinion what makes up a successful road trip packing and logistically speaking okay well i've never been to oxford so oh, okay. for this week is uh this is i'm, I'm checking on i'm checking a box a little bit here so um, your favorite of all time you know I, this is going to sound really crazy I, i've had i have had a lot of of good road trips my favorite road trip would have to have been arkansas in 08 I, I met a bunch of guys, include, including the world famous Paul Westerdog and some other people, the Hooters Whisperer, and 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 we went to Doe's E Place. And and I've, if you've listened to the podcast, you've heard me talk about Auburn fan, uh, Arkansas fans. You know, my my road trip, my first road game was the was the the hosing down of Jordan Hare and Jordan Hare in '86. That was my wow. first road game. I was a freshman, mm-hmm. um, so you know, I, you know, I I was there when. Um, who was it? Preston Jones almost led us back against Tennessee in '89, where I had—I mean, I literally had an old Smokey by the collar heading to my car. And so, you know, I've—I've I've, I've done a fair number of road trips, but you know that—that that one stands out for a lot of reasons. The first off is, uh, you know, Doze Eat Place in downtown Fayetteville is an incredible place to have. It's inc- is, it's that the, is that the one you told last week, last year about the Arkansas fans just not really caring? Yeah, they—they they didn't care. It's not because of the atmosphere. It was. Uh, you know, atmosphere wise, and this goes outside the SEC. Uh, because I, you know, if I if I were to say, I would say any number of George Florida games. I'm I'm from Southeast Georgia. I love George Florida. I love the atmosphere. I love the bowl atmosphere. I love going to bowl games. As far as a, a one off game, it's that Arkansas game. Just we had a great time. You know, we we sat at Doe's. We we literally owned Doe's, and mm-hmm. this is a 
This is a really nice steak restaurant in downtown Fayetteville. There were six of us at the bar, and we were basically there all day. And mm-hmm. we had servers who were fighting to, fighting to take us down to the stadium, drive us to the right. stadium. It was, it was really cool. Um, I will tell you, you're not going to like this. Mm-hmm. You're not going to like this. My first Columbia trip to, uh, to Missouri was really fun. Uh, it was a, you know, they were there. They were not SEC ready. They were they were so <laughs> precious and nice. Uh, but we had a great time then though too. Sugar Bowl, I probably. What was the second question? Uh, in your opinion, oh, what, a successful. What up, yeah, what do so, you need? Like logistics, and then maybe packing, or how you know, do you I mean, we are this week. We are been graciously hooked up by on um, by Will Robinson, Will Stero on on Twitter, who uh, is from Tupelo, Mississippi, a, a damn good dog, who has hooked us up with. Folks, you know, in Tupelo, knows in Tupelo that has a tailgate spot in the Grove, and they've had it 20-something years. We're renting a house from one of William Faulkner's relatives uh, out in the country. And so, you know, this week we're kind of – we're unintentionally living high off the hog. Right. Um, you know, for Lexington, we always rent the same house in Lexington, Kentucky. I love that trip. I mean, there's there's no one thing about that trip that makes me like – Y'all got to go. But, but do, you, for, do you do you bring a, a, a cooker? So for that, for, for Kentucky, the house we rent has a grill. Uh, it's 10 blocks from the stadium, so we walk. Two years ago, we had probably 15 or 20 people that came to the house and kind of tailgate central. I expect we're going to do that again. Uh, the, the biggest thing we always try to do is pack in enough bourbon uh, because, you know, it's it, you, get, you, you just don't want people getting thirsty at your house. And then the other thing is uh, – that's the cool part to me as the as the purveyor of the tailgate, the the tailgate master setting up uh, with with me and Wayne, is not having to set up a tailgate, right? I I, I if the the less I have to pack, the better, uh, and that's why I'm looking forward to this week. You know the but the 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 big thing is to make sure you got the right shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, I've just ordered a shirt actually, mm-hmm. uh, the, the sideline polo that the coaches are wearing. I haven't extra I have, medium, extra medium. I haven't, uh, I haven't upgraded my tailgate shirt, my, my road game shirt. I had the same road game shirt since, um, the Oklahoma state game. And it is actually, it's, it's actually done pretty well. It's it, despite the, the inauspicious beginnings. And also to make sure you have a good, a good place to tailgate, um, you know, kind of scoping out what you're going to do. And it's kind of underrated to me is getting some, getting some good groceries. Anybody that sees me knows I like to eat, you know, kind of knowing, knowing where you're going to go to dinner and, and kind of hitting the high spots in town. Instead of putting your finger in the air and see which way the wind is blowing. But no, look, I love I love showing up in town and seeing where the locals going. I mean, yeah. that's that's my thing. Um, you know, the the hard part about that is that there are un, no unknown quantities in SEC towns. Right. Um, so you know, I'm not going. I'm probably not going to try to go to City Grocery in Oxford, for example. I'd love to, but. I don't need the hassle. Uh, I'm probably going to a place called the Grit in Taylor or um, or Taylor Grocery that does catfish. Uh, may well go to Bouray if we get the chance, but in all likelihood, we're going to go tailgate in the Grove, go to the ball game, come back and tailgate in the Grove, and then go back to the house and, and cook steaks. Um, and I think I think Will, you know, I've talked to Will. Will's probably he's going to try to join us. Um, yeah, I don't think he will, but uh, you know, but uh, but uh, Kyle uh, McGinnis, who we talked to, or I talked okay, to, back bowl. in bowl system, he yeah. he was the chairman of the the Camping Word Bowl last year. His mm-hmm. damn good dog. He's targeted with us for a number of years. Uh, he's going to be there. So he's probably going. He's we're probably going to hook up with him. He's going to be with some old Miss folks. Is he going to have his jacket on for the bowl? He is not. That's the first question I asked him. I said, "Are you uh you there as a bowl rep? Or are you just there to to have fun?" He said. He said the first thing I they told I, I was got so burnt out last year. I went to so many games last year. Um, that he, it, that's what I want to do. It's like I don't 
with Paul's, I don't have to scout games. Right. I don't care. I don't have also had scout games. Right. Uh, he and it's hard to imagine as a college football fan being tired of that, but I could see it when you know. I love what they do in Shreveport, and it's, I think it's an underrated bowl. I think it should be higher on the, the pecking order, but um, that could be not subjective. Well, the problem is it's in Shreveport. That's but Shreveport's not- fun. You got Bozier City. You got the <laughs> casino. Okay, now you're, uh, now you're getting crazy. Now I'm getting crazy. Yeah. But but the the fact the fact remains is that Orlando um, Shreveport. Yeah, you know, he did he did see some uh, he did see some dicey football last year. Yeah. And then you you don't you can't forget the snow. Well, I mean, you've you've done road games. What about you? Well, I was going to say that my favorite road trip, uh, the surrounds of football game, took place in two thousand one. It was Coach Rick's first bowl game. Can you name it? Music City Bowl against yeah. Boston College. And we didn't win that game. No, we yeah. had some time. I mean, this is going to surprise people. Yeah, we had some time management and punting issues. Yes, yes. And William Green of uh, Boston College <laughs> ran all over us. That's yes. about all I remember. Yes. But the reason why it was fun for me is because I went to PDK. Okay. And loaded up. Nice. On a G five. Oh, uh, with a couple of uh, Georgia boosters, and flew up there with some of the Georgia brass. And went to the game, met up with my buddies, uh, grabbed a couple of airplane bottles, literally off the plane, stuffed them in my jacket. <clears throat> it was freezing cold that day. And uh, met up with a couple of them on the bridge right there outside the stadium. Yeah. And then uh, went to the upper deck, sat wherever he wanted to, and uh, then proceeded to watch Brian St. Pierre, the quarterback for Boston College, and William Green uh, really do a number on the dogs. And then, But the great thing is I was at Moondogs in Buckhead later that night. I was only 25. I still went to Moondogs back then. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like later, you know, by 1130, I'm in Buckhead. Spectacular. Yeah. Or 12 or something. Yeah, the bar was still open. So that was mine. Um, and in my opinion, what what makes up a successful road trip, uh, packing or logistically speaking, let somebody else do all the planning. Yeah. Just show up. Yeah. You know, that that's the best thing is when somebody's like, Hey, I got this. like I, I could imagine enjoying going on a road trip with you because all I'd have to do is just show up. Yeah, it's because I'm you know I'm you know I'm a control freak. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I mean I got the house and that sort of thing. And we we're we're leaving as soon as the wife gets Perfect. done with court on Friday. So Perfect. I'm I'm so fired up about it. Well you 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 go and have fun and I hope you find Will. I hope, uh, I hope he's not dodging you on purpose. Well, if he's dodging me on purpose, I'll still we'll have. call him out. I still have my friend in the maker's market. We'll be able to, we'll be able to sniff him out if he's dodging you on purpose. Uh, question number two. I know that was a long, laborious answer. But it was awesome. But it was awesome. So this is question number two. How old are you, Tony? 48. Okay, I'm 40. As I think back on my sports <clears throat> influences growing up, I don't have to think very hard to know that I was raised to be an Atlanta sports fan and a Georgia sports fan. I even have the belt buckle Back in 1980, I was four years old uh, to prove that I was being raised uh, the correct way. In my teenage years and early college years, during that anti-establishment, that was when grunge was big. Uh, mentally, I kind of swayed. You know, I wanted to be kind of different, yeah. and I kind of changed some allegiances, started being a front runner with some pro teams and everything. But the bottom line is, I'm dyed in the wool Georgia fan, Braves, Hawks, Falcons, the Thrashers when they were here. I'm just, I'm, I'm a homer. So this this question, I'm, what I'm setting up is another two-parter. So question one, did you know you were always a Georgia or Atlanta sports fan? I always knew I was a Georgia fan, but for a time in high school, because I'm a contrarian, right. um, I, was a, uh, I was a Georgia Tech. I also wore a Georgia Tech hat. Um, I'm from Southeast Georgia, so before people get all over me, it, it wasn't like the same thing as I, li- I went to Westminster, right? Uh, you know, down there is, is Georgia or Florida. Um, and it really so you're was just trying to be different. Trying to be different, I wore a Georgia Tech hat. You, you um, didn't even know what you were doing. 
looking back. I knew what I was doing, but I, <laughs> I, I never under any circumstances wanted Georgia Tech to beat Georgia. It was just at that time, there was a, there was a time where I thought it was acceptable for Georgia State, uh, Georgia Tech. See, that was not an unintentional Freudian slip. Right. I thought it was acceptable for Georgia Tech to, uh, to be good. Um, I hope they're never good. And I hope the pro, hope the, Clemson beats them. Hope the Clemson Thursday. beats them by 72. Right. Okay. That's a good answer. As you know, my answer was already answered. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, I guess I've kind of always been a Falcons and Braves. I mean, I have always been a Braves fan. Right. Uh, the Braves. Well, I mean, I mean I, you know, I have because what is my uh, you're, name? You're a body. Yeah, that's right. That's right. For, uh, it's for not, since, not since 1995. Yeah, I went, um, I went with the not since 1995 handle for my fantasy football team. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've been an Orioles fan baseball-wise, but for for football and basketball, it's, even though a lot of people where I'm from are now Jaguars fans, I'm still – I still follow the Falcons. Okay. Question number two of this two-part question. If there were only 49 states and Georgia was not one of them, this is hypothetical. It's not real. It's not real. I'm with you. So if there were only 49 states and Georgia was not one of them, which teams would you pull for? I'd definitely pull for the Baltimore Orioles. College football-wise, man, it's hard to not be a – it's hard for me to think that I would pull for another, another football team. Um, There's only 49 states. Georgia is not a state. Um. Ah. Uh, so. What do you pull for? I mean, I, I. I guess the simple answer is I would pull for, I guess Illinois football since I work there. Um. Or, or maybe Butler since my wife went there. But there, I mean, they're not even division. Okay, so 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 you've one. got Illinois for football. Let's say Butler uh, for Butler basketball. Butler for basketball. And yeah. So NFL baseball and then uh, baseball would be the Baltimore Orioles. Okay. That's not hard. Um. Uh, probably. You know, I, I for there was a time where I lived in D.C. where I was a Washington fan. Um, so I guess for NFL, it'd be Washington. Although it's just I can't, I can't. It's hard for me to get my head around what they're doing with their team name. Just like, just go with the tide, guys. Right. Get over it. Right. Uh, you know, I also was a little bit of a, a Bullets fan. I guess oh, I'm sorry, Wizards fan yeah. now and Caps fan. So I guess I would, I'd take them. But you know. Right. I, I don't have grand allegiances. It's hard. That's a really good question because it's hard. Yeah, it is. So what I went, what I would go with. Uh, my mom's from Texas. Yeah, and she went to TCU. Uh-huh. So I grew up. I still have my old TCU fitted baseball hat that I wore, and I can't wear it anymore. I'm waiting for my kids to grow into it. Uh, so I would definitely pull for TCU. Now that would not be me being a front runner either, no, because yeah, they, he, were they were terrible back then. when I was growing yeah. up. So uh, I would definitely pull for the Horn Frogs. And by being from uh, the Houston area near uh, Baytown is where she's from, and near Houston, uh, I love the I would love the Oilers. Yeah, be a Tennessee Titans fan now, right? Yeah, I guess I would be a Tennessee Titans, but the Oilers, man, and that that would have been my team. I gotta I, say, Bum, I, Bum Phillips was yeah. my all time favorite, like old school NFL coach, and it's such a cool helmet. The oil, Derek. yeah, the Derek. I mean, on you it. don't you don't appreciate it now that it's gone. Yeah, but. That's an awesome yeah. uniform. Yeah, it is. It's a good look. Really? It's, it's good the look. powder blue with the oil, Derek? Come on. Yeah. Um, okay, so question number three. Interesting fact. My oldest son, Jack, was born in 2006. Was it your oldest son? Yes. Born in 2006? So Twitter started in 2006. Actually, it started the first tweet that Jack Dorsey, not my son, the CEO and founder of Twitter, the <laughs> first tweet he ever sent was March 21st, 2006. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously. Wow. So it was. It just hit the 10-year anniversary. So it's safe to say you're active on Twitter. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Not nearly as much as I was maybe a year ago, but yeah. Right. So besides yourself, at Tyler Dogden, or me, at Jawavi Films, shameless plugs, give me and our listeners <laughs> three 
significant suggestions on people or brands to follow on Twitter because of either their content, their snark, or some great links that they share. So give me three people that our followers or listeners should follow on Twitter. Well, I'm going to I'm going to start with assuming everybody follows every day should be Saturday. If you're not, you're just missing out. Um yeah, that's What's the at, handle? at EDBSP. Okay. Um the second is um yeah, I like Mac Williams who used to be an, an artist for the Red and Black. He was he was he he drew Freddie Freshman. He uh he was a microphone guy in right field uh, part of the right field mafia uh, at Foley Field back in the day. Yeah, he is at AEW some, AEW awesome, uh, but it's AEW. The third's a little off the beaten path for me because it's, it, and it just has kind of, it's kind of interesting for me. What's yours? Well, obviously, for football content, I think just the straight up uh, Georgia football. Twitter handle is great because the best part about it is they tweet out all of those amazing productions that their video team produces. And I don't know if any of y'all have seen the one about the Missouri game. It is top notch because they bring in the call of Brent Musburger. They put a little Scott Howard in there. They got Kirby encouraging them at halftime and they got all the plays and it starts out with the last play and then it stops and then it kind of goes backwards. It's like inception or something. Not really, but it is. It's it's really cool. So I would recommend just following straight up at Georgia Football because you will get some of the finest video content for our beloved Bulldogs out there. And I mean, you could put them against UNC, Clemson, Georgia Tech, USC. You're not going to find a finer video group than the ones we have here at UGA. So that's my first one. Uh, second one would be, one of our listeners turned this uh, turned me on to this one uh, about three weeks ago. Uni swag at <laughs> Uni swag. That's such. Oh my god, that's so your sweet spot. Oh, it's 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 great because they they not only tweet out what teams are wearing for this coming week or next week or their big you know blackout game, but they'll tweet out some previews of or some mockups of even some college basketball jerseys. Uh, and so I get into all of that. So Uni swag, U N I S W A G, and then finally. I'm a camera guy. I'm a film guy. So if any of y'all are amateur or even serious photographers, whether it be still photos or videography, I would highly, highly, highly recommend you follow Philip Bloom. That's P-H-I-L-I-P. So it's one L in Philip. B-L-O-O-M. He's a Brit. Uh, he produces The Wonder List on CNN with Bill Weir. Uh, just a, an amazing cinematographer. And he not only tweets interesting stuff out he'll teach you about the camera lens and why he's doing things to create these amazing images uh on his twitter account so those are my three yeah i'm i looked it up it's that celebrity hot tub um and then it's actually a really really interesting the guy he's a he's a florida grad he's a lawyer was a lawyer in new york and now works for uh sb nation i guess a lot of mine are sb nation and I, i love bill Connolly's work um, he's a, he's probably the smartest guy in college football to yeah. me. He has a very analytical approach. Uh, so he is Bill C SPN. Um, those are, those are kind of the influencers for me on Twitter. Um, but you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you see, I retweet a lot of stuff, um, ranging from, you know, college football to, to, you know, a da- like minor politics stuff, but you know, to, to legal stuff. To- How great is that first debate going to be? 
Well, I mean, doesn't matter what side you're on. Just yeah, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be really it's gonna be really interesting. It's gonna be I think it's gonna be really compelling I don't know if anybody, TV. I think, I think maybe some people are wishing there was a third side. You know, almost like a, a yeah. Well, I mean, they're trying to get they're trying to get Gary Anderson involved in this thing. Not Gary Anderson, Gary Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Wow, you tell you how old you, I am. You, you know his last name about as well as he knows what Aleppo is. <laughs> well, it's funny. Gary Anderson was the uh, third party candidate in the 1980 presidential election. So there you go. Gotcha. Um, well, let's get into the weekly picks. Yeah, it's time. We're gonna, we're gonna time. go through this kind of quick. I'm. I, by the way, you probably hear my phone blowing up. I'm on a Twitter thread with. Uh, uh, Paul Westerdog, um, and some some this is kind of old school George Sports Black Westerdog, Quentin, uh, and a few other guys that are talking about the Ole Miss game. So, all right, um, so we're gonna we're gonna go through through these pretty quick. Try to keep your answers to forty five seconds or less, unless you get to Georgia. You unless, told me. Yeah, oh, go ahead. So uh, tomorrow night, or as you're listening to this tonight, uh, my dad called me today and was like. I'm in the Peach Pass lane, and I had to move over because I got four policemen on my tail, and there's four buses that have a tiger paw on it. So Calypso is coming to town at three o'clock today, down 85. Just in case you it's wanted to know, just, you can't play for a national championship and also play on Thursday night. I'm sorry, that's un that's unacceptable. So who you got? Uh, Clemson's favorite well, by got, ten and a half. I've got Clemson, and they'll cover a bunch. Yeah. I think yeah, I see what I see what you did. Yeah. You picked tech. I've got tech in this game. That's that's a really bold move. It is. It is. That's, a, re- that's a really interesting. Two, two years ago, Deshaun Watson came down here and he got injured. And yeah. uh, they have not been. Did they win? I don't even know. Well, who cares? Yeah, who cares? So they they've struggled against tech in Atlanta. I'm just going to say that. I don't know if it's really the case. <laughs> Sounds like a thing. But if I say it with enough conviction, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think tech and Paul Johnson they might have something this year with JJ Green and Keith Marshall's brother. Marshall. Yeah, I think they have something, just not for Clemson. Morgan Marshall? No. Let's go know. with that. Let's go with that. All right. Uh, Wisconsin at Michigan State. Michigan State finally did everybody a favor by putting to bed the, hey, if Notre Dame makes the playoff this year. So, because Notre Dame is happily one and two. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's thanks for bringing that up. My, um, <laughs> I mean, I my, know you're Catholic. Are you upset about that? No, I, I don't. I hate Notre Dame, okay. but I had them in the playoff because oh, I right. thought this is the year they're only going to lose one game. And I mean, they can still well, lose I, two. If it makes you feel any better. I picked USC in the playoff last year. You did, you <laughs> did, but you also didn't pick three other teams as Laurie lost. So uh, that's, right. that's right. All right. So who do you got? I got, I got Michigan State. I do too. They yeah. are about a touchdown favorite, and they're playing at home. Yeah, I mean, a- I, look, I like Wisconsin. I think they they proved a lot in the past couple of weeks, but. That game against Georgia State, man, you got to put Georgia State away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, Central Michigan at Virginia, and Virginia has not won a game under the block under the Blanken Mendenhall. Maybe that's what they're going to call them, Blanken under the Bronco Mendenhall regime. Central Michigan by a bunch. Really? Yeah. I mean, look, Central Michigan's already beaten. I mean, they have a couple of decent scouts. They beat Oklahoma State in a very controversial game, but then they went on the road and beat UNLV. I and uh, you know, conversely, there Virginia, might be a look ahead because Virginia, they have Western Michigan. Virginia next just looked not great. Well, I'm going to go with Virginia just because they've looked terrible. <laughs> um, all right, uh, let's skip that one. Let me push that down the ledger a little bit. Um, next game, Mississippi State. No, 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 no. Hold I guess, on. Yeah, they're on the road. Uh, Dan Mullen. They're, they're on the road. They're going to Cambridge. Well, no, they're actually going to no. That's uh, that's Harvard. Uh, uh, they're going. They're playing that game at Gillette Stadium. Oh my gosh! 
How many people are going to be at that game? Maybe 15,000? <laughs> oh, no, there'll be more people than that. Okay, so Mississippi State is traveling to Massachusetts. What's what's the funniest thing? Who's that guy, that big Mississippi State fan, the real redneck guy with the awful mustache? That Stingray. <laughs> is he going to make that trip? Oh, I hope he is. Wouldn't that be a culture clash up there? Oh, yeah. They're going to bring their cowbells up there. And those, what are those Bostonians going to think of the, the start? Oh, they're going to throw batteries at them. <laughs> they're not going to tolerate their mess. No. No. Yeah, no. But still, Florida, uh, Mississippi State wins. Yeah, I agree. All right, Florida, Tennessee. Florida has won 11 games in a row. I've got children that are 10 years old that weren't even alive last time that yeah. uh, Tennessee beat Florida. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot about this game to, to make you wonder. This game's pretty impactful in the SEC East right now. Um, you know, Georgia has a little bit of a leg up because Missouri's looking better than people gave them credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think Missouri can end up playing a role in the SEC East race, even if they can't win it and knocking one of these, these other two teams out of the, the role. Florida is going to be without Luke Del Rio. Tennessee is going to be without everybody again, apparently because of injuries. I just think Florida wins this game. You think they have their number? Uh, I think they have their number. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go Riverside on you again. I think that Tennessee, by being at home and with Florida, having some mm-hmm. uncertainty at quarterback uh, is just enough. It's going to be close. It's I mean, I can, be ugly. I can see that. I, right, this is a right. game I struggle with. It's a toss-up. I, mean, I, I struggle with this one. It's a, that's it's a, a seven-and-a-half point that's, line. That's, that's pretty – I would, I would pick win, not cover. Yeah, that seems, that seems right. Yeah. Either way. Um. Pittsburgh at UNC, I did hear something. I don't know if I know it completely, but I did hear some players on UNC saying that Pittsburgh – or no, it was Larry Fedora. My bad. Larry Fedora saying that Pittsburgh will be the best team that they've faced this year. Okay. So throwing some barbs at a team that beat them. No, the that's dome. cool. That's cool. I picked Pittsburgh to win big, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I went, maybe I believe him because I picked UNC. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I like that Switzer kid. I think he's a difference maker. Um, this – is the who gets fired after they lose game. LSU, number 18 LSU, one and, or two and one LSU with a Purdue transfer quarterback at the, the beautifulness that is the flaming Gus bus. I mean, my heart wants Auburn to win this game because it. I think Auburn, uh, Gus Malzahn, coach Auburn's good for the good for America. I, I agree. I agree. It's good for America. It's good for the world. Yeah, and, and, and uh, we, we play them every year, and we don't LSU, so that might be a good way to look at yes, it. Yes, we need exactly. Gus to stay around. I want Gus to stay around forever. I'm mean, the same way I want Paul Johnson to stay around. Right. Um. So what's going to happen? LSU's wins. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I think LSU is going to out-talent them. Uh, this is going to be an ugly game. Um, that's not going to be decided till late. I mean, this has the, all the earmarks of uh, 14-10, of a whole lot of stagnation. Both defenses are pretty good. How many quarterbacks uh, does Auburn play? Over or under two and a half? Over under? Oh, take the over. Big, <laughs> big. I mean, look, I, everybody's talked about this already, but – their third string quarterback ran out of bounds on fourth down with a minute left. And you're down. Reggie Ball. No, he ran out of bounds. Yeah. You're the third string quarterback. You got to take one for your team. Right. Yeah, he'll probably start. I got LSU as well. There's just no way Auburn can win this game. There's oh, there are ways they there are the ways they can win. But there is zero chance Auburn wins. This I mean, game. look, uh, Fournette's hurt, and they're I, playing at home. It's like their twelfth game in a row at home. Yeah, I don't, they haven't played outside the state of no, Alabama. No, they're, in, they're since, in for a rude uh, awakening. I mean, they literally could go two and ten this year. I think Wallace was running for president last time they played outside Alabama. Right. No, you're right. You're right. All right, moving on. Vanderbilt. They're going to 
Okay. All right. So Vanderbilt last week, Vanderbilt was on the road in Atlanta and got beat. And this week, they're going to the team that got beat two weeks ago by Alabama. <laughs> they're going to Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky wears those awesome space age helmets every now and then that you can comb your hair in because it's so mirrored. Yeah, this is a this is actually a surprisingly short road trip. It's less than an hour oh, from really? Nashville to Bowling Green. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh. yes, right up by sixty five. Okay. Well, Western Kentucky's favored by a touchdown. That's not enough. Western Kentucky's going to win this big game big. Well, I had Vanderbilt pick, but I can still change my pick, so I'm going to I'm going to pick Look, Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky beat Rice by forty by thirty. They beat. They lost Alabama by twenty eight. They beat Miami of Ohio by seven. Uh, seven. Vanderbilt, on the other hand, they have a win, but it's not against anybody. It's Middle Tennessee State. Uh, all the Middle Tennessee State. I don't know. Let's see what they've done. Uh, oh, they're two and one. They beat Bowling Green, which is the town that uh, Western Kentucky's in. But still, take, okay. we- take Western. All right. Moving on, uh, Georgia Southern, the three and O Eagles. Travel all the way up to wherever is that Kalamazoo? Western, uh, Western Michigan in, is in. Sounds right, Kalamazoo. Let's go okay, with that. We'll go with that. Uh, they travel up to three and Western Michigan. Is that the? It's almost like we don't have the internet. Is that the 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 coach the young coach that probably hired away next year? Western Michigan. Yeah, that sounds right. PJ Fleck. Yeah, um, and so oh, they, they are in Kalamazoo. Wow, nailed I got it. that. Yeah. Um, so who who wins this game? Western Michigan's favored by seven and a half. It'd probably be Georgia Southern favored by seven and a half. They're playing in Statesboro. Yeah, they played in Statesboro last year. Western, Western Michigan won. Um, and I'm still picking them. I I just I can't go. I it, it just they seem like a better team right now. Right. I'm going to go with Western Michigan as well. Um, Oklahoma State looks like they recovered last week from their disappointment from their disappointing loss to Central Michigan. They go to Art Brylesless. Row the boat, baby. I'm sorry, it's PJ Flex thing. Sorry, I got I got carried away. They go to Baylor. Yeah, take Baylor. Yeah, yeah Baylor in a bunch. Baylor in a bunch. Yeah. So you think Jim Grubbs got that thing cooking? Um, or is he just benefiting? I mean, he, from, he's just he's got he all, he's got all the talent in the world. I mean, they. I mean, I mean, in Oklahoma State was a team I picked to be in the national championship hunt too, and um. I mean, they only beat Pitt by seven or yeah, seven. They you know, lost to Central Michigan. Shouldn't have, but mm-hmm. I just I just think Baylor's. I watched them play last Friday night. I just think they're Baylor better right. right now. Coach Boom goes to Coach Stoops, the other Stoops brother, uh, Kentucky and South Carolina. They both look really bad. Let me let me posit something. So I didn't when you and I are we're of the agreement that Mark's um, this, this, this Stoops is the first coach to be fired in the SEC this year. Here's something that it's nearly a ten figure buyout. Really? Yeah. Not ten figure. That's a lot. Hold on. Seven ten. eight eight figure buyout. Over ten million. It's not it's not quite that. How'd much. you get to ten figure? And I, uh, how did I fall for that? I don't know. <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm like, oh really? Oh, yeah. oh, that yeah. sounds like that sounds <laughs> right. Checks out. Um Kentucky owes a lot of money as Stoops is fired. Um Is it like Paul Johnson type money? Or I mean a, a uh, Paul Hewitt type money at Georgia Tech? Yeah. From your, uh, still, I'm still mad that he's not there anymore. But uh, I think South Carolina wins, but I don't think Kentucky fires Stoops if he loses. I think Kentucky I, wins. I mean, if he loses a bunch and they just look like un, uninterested and the team quit on him, right. maybe, but I don't see Stoops getting fired this year. I just don't I, think I, South I Carolina that. is any good. I don't think that, I mean, they have their quarterback is talented, their freshman quarterback, but they got nothing else. I mean, that. this is a. This is a regrettable football game. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. This is a just don't play it game. It's on at 7.30. They buried it on probably SEC Alternate. SEC Alternate. alternate. Yeah. Yo, yes, SEC Alternate all yeah. day. Um, okay, so if you hear a report later on Twitter that Tony decided to just bypass Oxford and drive straight to Jerry World because he's got a personal invite from Brett Bielema. Brett and our tight. Um, then that could very well happen. Don't be surprised. Texas A&M and Arkansas face off in Jerry World. And Fun Tony fact, is Brett, excited. Brett and I have the same haberdasher. What happens in this game? This is going to be a fun game. I'm picking I'm picking Arkansas. I that shouldn't surprise anybody. But um, You know, it's funny. The last two years, they've lost in overtime to Texas A&M. Yeah. Yeah. And no. They've already played no, this in game, overtime. This I mean, game Arkansas, has, you know it's going overtime. This game has all the makings of Texas A&M being up by 30, and then Arkansas, like, do-do-do, scoring a bunch of points, all crazy stuff, and then, like, the last play of the game, scoring a touchdown to win, and, and meanwhile, Brett's calling his bookie and like, "Yeah, um, I'm going to take Hawaii in the points." People are like, "I can't take that bet." It's like, put the damn bet down and just win in it. That's going to happen. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, anything S- else you want to add to that? Sorry, Arkansas fans. I probably just ruined y'all. Okay, and then um, the game that we're all going to be focusing on—the game that Tony is leaving for on Friday morning. Georgia, and we're ranked 12th now, so we, we fell from 9 to 16, and now we're back up to 12. I don't really think any of that matters. I know The only reason I know our ranking by by memory is because my boys ask me all the time, like, oh, we dropped in the rankings. I'm like, guys, it doesn't matter, but <laughs> still, it matters to them. But they're facing Ole Miss, who's ranked 23. They are one of only two teams that are still ranked with two losses and losing records. But Ole Miss is favored by 7.5 points. Tony... What happens in this game? I mean, I think you and I both agree that this has a lot of potential uh, to be a game where Mississippi scores early and often, right? Um, that's been the book on Mississippi and doing that. And that's been the book on Georgia allowing it to happen. Um, here's the thing I struggle with is that does Georgia have the kind of offense that can dig out of a hole – a 21-point hole, and yeah, I, th- I think they do, but do we have the kind of defense that can keep the game close enough if after we dig out that hole? And that's that's the hard part about it. We keep them under 27 points, I think we can win. I still think we can do that. Um, you know, it, the hard part about it is, I, you know, I was wrong after the North Carolina game, and I was happy to admit it. I'm happy to admit it again. Trust me, I'm going to be in Oxford – I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to be sad if we lose. But this is a hard game for me to say we're going to win because I I just think this is the first team we go up against where we match up, where they match up talent-wise with us. And, frankly, their opposition has been better to this point. Um, The only reason I think that we have a shot to win, and and you and I talked earlier about pass to victory, um, the only thing I think we have a shot to win is they're kind of like, if we can't beat Alabama after winning about 21 points, we're, we're kind of done, and they give up. It's an 11 o'clock game, and they come out and look crappy, and, and we don't. Um, you know, is, is could this be a game where Easton gets on fire and we get the running game cranked up? Yeah, I think that could happen. I just – it's hard for me to see that right now. So, so you're um, picking Ole Miss? I'm, I'm picking Ole Miss. I am actually literally right the second tweet in a picture that I just took of my, my picks uh, where I'm picking them one point, but – that's this is the thing. Yeah, you're going to get some at mention replies on that. Um, so, Ole Miss has lost two games: one to Florida State, one to Alabama, where they led by three touchdowns. 
So here's what's going to happen in this game. Do you remember the Drew Brees, Georgia, Quincy Carter game, Georgia, Jim Donnan bowl game? Uh, yeah, I was there, the overtime game. Yeah, yeah I, I was, was there. there too. Do you know what happened in that game? Uh, when? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff happened in that game. Georgia was down 25 to nothing. Yeah, we came back. We scored. Um, Raining uh, at, at the time, it was the greatest comeback in bowl history. Yeah, yeah. I, that, think, think that. Yeah. That's going to that's yeah. gonna happen again. We're going to get down 25 nothing. in this Scott, game. Scott, I got to tell you, you're a handsome man, and I'll kiss you if that happens. We are going to get down 25 nothing, and then Georgia is going to come roaring back, just like they did in that Outback Bowl in 2000. And we are going to win this game. Ole Miss is going to score one more touchdown after we kind of get going. We're going to win this game 37-32. We scored 37 points. I think we can win. Yeah. So It's just they're going to get all their points early. And then Kirby's just going to look at him with his steely eyes and say, boys, we've done this before. Get out there and do some work. And they're going to rally, and it's going to be – we're going to, and, then, and then the dogs are going to get the term cardiac dogs all season, and who knows what happens after that. So that's my prediction. All right, I'll take that. I hope you're right. It would be a great thing to watch. It would be imagine? so much fun. Oh, my God. I'll be unbearable in the Grove after the game. So will Will. <laughs> will be even more unbearable. <laughs> We didn't. We didn't talk much about Will. He didn't send his uh, his uh, audio in either. So I guess he's busy talking about places like Cleveland and Jacksonville. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Do they play this week? I have no idea. I don't know. I haven't even looked at my my fantasy team. I lost this week because I I lost this week because frankly I lost this week because somebody dropped a touchdown past the end of the game on the Monday night game. Literally yeah. dropped, lost this week because well, of that. I've got I've got bigger things to worry about than fantasy football because we have our first flag football yes, game you do. tomorrow night. Yes, we do. We are 0-0-1. We are 0-0. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, by the time that Georgia plays on Saturday, we will have played two games. Yes, so, I will have well, three. Three games. Oh, no, you'll have played, we will have played two We games. will play three games. Yeah. So uh, um, my, my eight-year-old is literally drawing plays with crayons. And he doesn't really get into crayons anymore. That's but so those awesome. Were all that was available. And we do, we do all of our, our um, positions by color coding. So the yeah. quarterback is yellow. The center is orange. Or no, center's yellow. Quarterback's orange. And we got a purple receiver, red. The backs are green and blue. So he's in there literally drawing out plays and then saying, I'm going to call this blue dot right jet pass reverse you know he keeps adding to it which is awesome because it's so different than us we we just like uh can we change fields because there's not dirt not enough dirt here to drop plays right, right. um although we scrum which saturday had a good time i think it was a push um so i think the key in flag football is misdirection and yes it's, it's hitting the hole fast yes yes so yes. if you have too much going on in the backfield uh <sighs> those kids are gonna sniff that out and be able to pull a flag which, you got to have one guy that can shake and bake. Which, when you think about it, that's exactly the key to victory on Saturday. That's right. That's a great way to put it. So with that, I will. I don't usually say go dogs because then I fill it in the end. But I'm going to say go dogs, 37-32 victory over the Rebels on Saturday. Go dogs. Good. I think we can do this without Will now. <laughs> we got this down pat. Is, I, I mean, I like having Will here, though, because he's – Lot smarter than us. <laughs> he is a lot smarter than us, but it just it, it just but, goes but to show that we can it, we can pinch it, it. It does it does feel like uh, it does feel like we're you and I are doing better without him here than we did last year. Last yeah. year we're like um uh, it's a struggle and that you know and that one thing <laughs> right so, yeah that was good. Bye, Will. We miss you. Thanks for listening. 
Safe travels to Will, Tony, and all of our listeners who are making the trip out to Oxford this weekend. One of the best SEC college towns to visit, in my opinion. Keep up with us throughout the weekend by following along on Twitter. Tony can be found at Tyler Dogden, that's D-A-W-G-D-E-N. I am at Jawavi Films, that's J-A-W-A-V-I Films. And Will is at William F. Leach, that's L-E-I-T-C-H. We will be back on Monday morning with our Georgia versus Mississippi recap. So tune in then, and we will see you on campus next week. Go dogs.